0: Welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am this week's moderator, Father Chuck. And with me tonight, as, well, normally as always, but the past couple weeks, not so much, is JP! What's up? Hey! Hey! hey and with us tonight is Matt! Oh, we... Not really. No, not He's really. He's not here. No. No. <laughs>
1: Matt is... Um, we don't, we actually don't know where Matt is tonight. <laughs> We're just gonna have to start without him and, uh, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll, uh, he'll just, you know, drop by and... Yeah, you, we... Yeah, you know, will see. He said, he said he was gonna be here and
0: then he wasn't. And he's out responding to text messages and, um, I mean, I guess we could call the cops, but... <laughs> he
1: he is the cops. I what mean, do you do? He's a half cop, dude. He's a half cop. <laughs> cop. Half cup. I just think a cop and a half, the Burt Reynolds movie. Or or that. I mean, <laughs> it, you, you could do that, I guess. Yeah.
0: So, anyway, um, today we are here to blow your minds as we talk about just really one of those great classic nerd things to talk about that every nerd argues and talks about at some point or another time. Travel. Yes. Time travel. Yes. It's a time so, travel episode. It's a time travel episode. And I know initially when we talked about this, we had played with the idea of just opening this and pretending that I've always been the moderator and just trying to pretend that you, the listener, are in a parallel universe.
1: <laughs> but we decided to not do that. Um we don't want to get too cerebral here. Like we don't want to right. we don't want to make you go Lovecraft insane.
0: Right, so, right. Oh, Lovecraft is another like kind of you know entry level nerd thing. Yeah, Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, can I just? Can I? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to say that I, I really, I really find Cthulhu jokes extremely low hanging fruit. They are. And like, when people make them, I just, it, I just it glazes over. Like, I'm just, I, I, I don't, I, I it's nothing. It's, to-
1: it's low hanging fruit, and it's it's entry level Lovecraft. There's, there's definitely more to Lovecraft than a uh, giant squid monster. And there's definitely yeah. more to that squid monster than just that he's a giant squid monster. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway,
0: um, so before we begin, I feel like, JP, this is a really good time mm-hmm. to let you cut loose on something that you have been sort of itching to cut loose on. Oh, here we go. This entire show. Yeah. All right, so here we are, episode 49. Yep. So for 49 episodes, mm-hmm. something that you have kind of hinted at, suggested that you've wanted to really just cut loose on,
1: and that is Sliders. sliders. Go. Sliders. If you're familiar with the show, that's how it would open. The title Sliders. I, I, I okay. <laughs> um, what do you want to know about Sliders, Chuck? No, know, brother.
0: I, I, you know, I on my notes for you and this one, I just said I'm giving you carte
1: blanche. Just like go <laughs> okay. to town. Well, uh, we're talking about uh, we're talking about time travel, and um, there were, there really wasn't much time travel in the show Sliders, which I, guess oh, I okay. Should...
0: Well, never mind. You have to talk about it now.
1: But <laughs> well, for those of you who aren't in the know, Sliders was a science fiction uh, drama. It came out in the mid 90s uh, on Fox after the popularity of The X Files. They wanted to do more like sci fi drama stuff, like high concept sci fi stuff. And uh, it was created by this uh, sort of veteran producer named um, uh, uh, Tracy Torme, produced by Mark Weiss, who's also another veteran producer and they made they came up with this idea called sliders it's basically about a uh, a young scientist played by Jerry O'Connell who is trying to invent an anti-gravity device but ends up accidentally inventing um a method of traveling between parallel worlds same like Earth. you do yeah like you do that's, that's what happens you, you try to invent one thing you invent another uh, so that's wait i'm sorry like that to me is like
0: saying that, like, I'm trying to invent, like, a machine that's capable of like making water boil. Yeah. But it winds up like allowing me to levitate. Like that just seems like
1: <laughs> or, or a time machine or <laughs> I, I guess yeah. <laughs> a shrink ray, uh, uh, faster than light travel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, so yeah. So he accidentally invents uh, basically a, a wormhole uh called the Higgs but Bo- it's usually referred to as the the Higgs not Higgs boson um the um Einstein-Rosen bridge um so the uh, but the, but the concept the, the premise behind sliders is that there are we live in a multiverse and there are thousands and thousands and millions of different realities it's the same planet just a slightly different reality so um when it started out, it was very much like concept-driven and the first the pilot episode, you know the the characters end up on a world where the United States lost the Cold War and so it became a uh, part of the Soviet Union and It's all about how they kind of like you know how how do their characters react in that reality and also how are they gonna a? survive that reality and be you know, what are they gonna learn about the reality? I don't know whatever uh, there's a bunch of other characters get involved. Like he has uh, uh, his Professor Arturo played by a uh, veteran actor, um, uh, Reese, uh, John Rhys-Davies from Indiana Jones and Lord of the Rings. He played Salaam. He was, he's Gimli the Dwarf. Yeah. Uh, he played Professor Arturo, probably one of the best characters in television ever. Uh, he had a, a best friend, Wade, uh, played by Sabrina Lloyd. And there's also, I think, like the most bizarre character, uh, but... I I love him anyway. Uh, The character of um, Rembrandt, the crying man Brown, who is a, a former, a former uh, soul and R&B star. And what happened? Who's just sort of like wrapped up in their hijinks. he, He just, he just got him. He just like, you know, you know, Quinn is showing professor Arturo and his friend Wade, his new invention. And they're like, well, turn it up. Let's see how big this this wormhole can get. And like, okay, so he turns it up and they get sucked inside. And like the portal travels outside the house. It's really funny, like if you watch it on Netflix, this is so 90s, because like this portal just like floats outside the house and onto the highway. And this this soul singer, he's like in his convertible on his way to the big game to sing the to sing the sing the national anthem. gets sucked into the wormhole with them. You see, that, that, sounds like, that
0: sounds like some producer's notes like, came down. It was like, <laughs> you've got to include this guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's funny.
1: And what's funny is, you know, Sliders lasted for five seasons. There's a big gap between season three and four because it got really horrible ratings. Um, but, they re, but the Sci-Fi Channel revived it. Cla- Clarence Derricks, who, who plays Remy, uh, the mm-hmm. giant man Brown, he's, <laughs> the, he's the only cast member to stick around from season one to season five, <laughs> to the end of season five. Um, so that's pretty that's funny. funny, but it's it's also he's like the most it's just so out there. Like, okay, you have the scientist character, the main character. And he's like your Kirk. And you have the professor, is like his mentor. And you have his best friend, new cute, cute girl, and then Remy, <laughs> <laughs> like guy can sing. That's it. Uh, so totally out there. But anyway, so sliders and, and and you know every week it's in different. They they end up in a planet. I shouldn't say a planet, a, a dimension. And they have this uh, this little gizmo called the timer, which is like a cell phone at the time, kind of just sort of, you know, rejiggered to look like this cool little kind of back to the future-ish kind of device that allows them to open portals and stuff. And they're there for like a random amount of time. Like it could be 30 minutes. It could be like six weeks. Um, but yeah, and it counts down from wherever they are. And they're sort of randomly jumping from dimension to dimension, hopefully, one day they'll end up home, but they they don't. I mean they, there are there is one episode where they they come home and um <laughs> they come home and the main character Jerry O'Connell, they, they go to house they go, they go to his house and he's like, "You know, this fence, this fence, this gate has been squeaking my entire life every time I, every time I open it. so it's like if this fence squeaks when I open it, we know that we're back home." And he opens it, and it doesn't squeak. He's like, "Well, thirty seconds left on the timer. Let's let's slide again." And they slide, and they, they leave the planet. And then like his mom comes out with like a maintenance guy. Oh my god! <laughs> she's like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're able to fix the squeaking fence. That's so tragic. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, that's like ah. Uh. Okay, yeah. and and I loved it, and, and you know, at at, at at first it was mostly intellectual, it was stuff like that. You know, it wasn't really an action adventure kind of thing. It was it was more cerebral, like it, like like I said, communist Russia like won the Cold War, or like what if uh, a lot of like what if America lost wars, <laughs> and like, what would those realities be like? Or my, my favorite episode in those in those early days was uh, an episode called "The Weaker Sex," which is actually not available online. Uh, Because of some uh, digital rights uh, disputes against the Hillary Clinton campaign. Okay, interesting. Uh, In this episode, they slide into a world where the patriarchy uh, was replaced by a matriarchy, basically. Like, they live in a matriarchal society. And so the roles, the gender roles are are reversed. So, like, men are mostly just, like, models or dads or secretaries. And women are in in a position of power. And in this reality, at, at the time, Bill Clinton was president. So, of course, it's, you know, it's a flipped reality. Hillary Clinton was president. Interesting. And because of that, like, it, it's like a rights thing. Like, they, they had to take the episode down. But what's great about that episode is, like, it, 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 Professor Arturo becomes a men's rights activist. <laughs> and that's what they're called. They're called men's rights activists in the episode.
0: Well, that's funny because that's because men's rights activists are monsters. Yeah. So, <laughs> in
1: our world, they're monsters.
0: And so, yeah. So, so not it's so, Okay. So, I, I guess I see. I never watched Sliders. I don't yeah. think ever. And so I know you've talked about it a lot. And I was into the. I mean, I know it dealt with parallel, parallel worlds. Right. And I, I mean, I like, guess there's a time travel dimension that in a sense, right? Because, because it deals with like, at some point in history, something is divergent from what we know now.
1: They do kind of deal with – I mean, <laughs> each reality is sort of a result of like a butterfly effect in some way they, by the way just so because yeah. in case
0: in case some of our listeners don't know what the butterfly effect is oh, yeah. um, it's it's it is a mathematical principle of uncertainty um that basically says that um that chaos that any kind of amount of it's also known as chaos theory it's actually a huge part of the movie jurassic park yeah um and it basically says that anything that looks sort of like chaos eventually emerges into a pattern over time. But it also indicates that, um, that any kind of action, like any kind of small action, compounds over time into a large action. So it's called the butterfly effect because the idea is that if a butterfly flutters its wings X number of times in Central Park – that can determine whether there's rain or, or sunshine in California. Right. Like, or, days later, or, or. yeah, because the, the movement of the wings eventually um, spirals out into making wind, into making all kinds of weather patterns or whatever. So
1: butterfly effect, little things,
0: huge yeah. ramifications. All right.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's kind of the crux of sliders a little bit, you know, there's, it's like, it's always like one little change and like how it's completely reshaped society. And as the seasons kind of went on, they kind of like they switched showrunners. The original producers, you know, Tracy Terme and Mark Wise, they they kind of jumped ship, um, and replaced by people who wanted to make it more hip. And so it became a bit more like, uh, "What if this world had dinosaurs?" Uh, what or if like, this... if,
0: or as like you mentioned before, like, "What if this world is a world where the Cro Magnons had been the dominant species?" Yeah,
1: and you know what? That that's that's <laughs> that's an even a in, uh, really interesting episode. That was actually before they the. the original writing staff left they sum up on this reality where that's been invaded and they find out that this um species that invaded they're actually sliders as well um but they're not human they're humanoid but what happened was they evolved from chromagnum man as opposed to i think i guess neanderthal would be the other one i don't really know my evolution that well well because it's lies jp (laughs) it's all it's all it's all evil Um, But but they're called – anyway, the species is called the Cro-Mags, and they're basically like the Klingons of of sliders. But they became (laughs) more involved with the the series because no one really knew, like, how to make, like, an interdimensional travel show, like, cool. (laughs) So – and, like, they did a bunch of things. Like, they just kind of did what what was popular. Like, I remember Anaconda came out, and so they did an episode about, like, snakes. (laughs) Like the whole world is like an Amazon jungler or something. They did like a post-apocalyptic episode. It's like Mad Max. They did like – I don't know. It just got bad. It got really bad. But it's also – it was also fascinating to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Sliders. <laughs> That's Sliders. That's Sliders. I hope I didn't bore everyone to death.
0: <laughs> well, if you're still listening. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so you've got to talk about sliders, and it, but that, and I think that's a good launching pad, because we've talked about the butterfly effect, and we've talked about, like, how things, you know, change and, and all that, and, and change is a huge part in any kind of, like, pop culture depiction of time travel. Right. And even just, like, in philosophy, dealing with time travel. Mm-hmm. So so the idea of this episode, as I'm thinking about oh, it, Sorry. That's right. Um, as I'm thinking about this episode, is that we'll start off kind of nerdy, and then we'll just get weird. Does okay. that sound good? Sure. Okay. So... One of the things everybody, of course, talks about in time travel media, like in movies, TV shows, anything like that deals with time travel, is like the rules of time travel. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like one of my favorite episodes of South Park is what they call the Goobacks episode, where, (laughs) you know, people from the future are traveling back to the past for jobs.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Because there's no jobs in the future.
1: Right.
0: And And, like, (laughs) there's, like, a running joke among the newscasters. They're like, is it Terminator rules or Back to the Future rules? And they're, like, trying to determine, like, how time travel plays out because the guy—the idea is that they're coming back in time, earning money and putting in bank accounts for their future selves. And did it
1: turn out to be Terminator rules? I think
0: it did turn out to be Terminator okay. rules. And then, but there was like some other—I can't remember. There was some other movie. They're like, but we, but every every scientist agrees those rules are totally lame. And I can't remember <laughs> what. Oh, what movie that was? Now it's gonna bug me. Anyway, so oh, I'm rules. Thinking about TV. it now too. Oh gosh, I don't know. I forgot. <sighs> makes me kind of want to look it up now, but, um, all right. But for you, yeah. when you think of time travel, what are the rules, man? What movie captures the rules for time travel for you? It captures the rules. Yeah.
1: That like you think like that's how it has to work. Um, back to the future. Back to the future. Yeah, it really does. And I, I, I do and I mean like the, the trilogy as a whole. Uh, Because just the way it ends, it ends with you can you can rewrite your future or you can the future is what you make it. That's what that's that's the end result of of that series. Right. Because, yeah, because they destroy the the
0: DeLorean, but then he immediately shows up with the time train, which, by the way, I was always I always wanted a fourth back to the future dealing with that time train.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I want to talk about the weird the weird little image. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm talking about it's like points at his crotch. Yeah, because he peed his pants. Is that what
0: happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a kid he's peed his pants. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah. This, what he's talk, we're, we're talking about here, guys, is uh, – is um, in, so in the end of Back to the Future Part 3, Doc Brown shows up – spoiler alert if you've never seen it. Um, he shows up after – he's supposedly been stranded in the past because he's um, found his one true love, who is this uh, uh, teacher played by Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. And um, anyway, he shows up with a train that he has – developed into a time machine and he's got two kids that he had with his wife and he's introducing them to Marty, um, to Marty McFly, which is Michael G Fox's character. And one of the kids is like awkwardly like pointing down to his crotch, like (laughs) in the background and and he's motioning for someone to look too. like you see it's like, uh, uh. yeah, he's like looking and it's, and, and uh, the backstory that I read is the, is because the kid peed his pants or whatever. Like he he had to go to the bathroom or whatever. And so, yeah, crazy.
1: Yeah. But yeah, um, I like that. But also, I mean, I think that's all, that that was ultimately what the Terminator series was just, was supposed to be as well. Because Terminator Two ends with the you know there's no there is no fate, but what we, we make for ourselves. I feel like that's also what Back to the Future ends up being as well. Yeah, I mean, because I I think
0: I think Terminator for me is the movie that I think of that like defined time travel, like. Well, it's, because it's smart there's like so many different movies now, and they all say different things. Okay, this is fair. Um, what, I mean, sorry, what are you talking about? There's only two Terminator movies, J.T. <laughs> That's
1: true. sorry, sorry, I wasn't talking I mean, about the, the three sequels and the in the TV there, show.
0: Is, is there crazy? I mean, look, I mean, is there some crazy <laughs> sliders parallel world where there's
1: like more movies than a TV show? Is that what you're trying to say? It's called Terminator Earth, <laughs> and there are books, there are movies, there are comic books, there are video games.
0: Between Terminator One and Two, I, I'm I'm a fan of what it is. I mean. It's – the where it gets kind of crazy, though, is the whole grandfather paradox thing with Kyle Reese or, like, I guess, right. father paradox because, like, how could John Connor at some point have sent him back into the future because his own dad? Anyway, it's – yeah, it's, um, yeah that, that stuff's kind of weird, but, uh, but it makes a certain kind of logical sense. Mm-hmm. I tell you, actually, you know what one movie, though, that I think with its time travel depiction that I really like is Donnie Darko? That's an interesting one. Yeah, because the whole idea of a tangent universe –
1: Right, it's kind of cool. You know, it's you know what movie shares the same rules as Donnie Darko? What? Uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, right, right. I've actually never seen Last Temptation. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it, it's sort of but, the same idea.
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, Satan kind of gives Jesus a glimpse of this alternate world where right. he doesn't choose the cross and he gets to have mm-hmm. a life with Mary Magdalene, but he winds up dying old in an obscurity rather than.
1: And like the and like whole and like Jerusalem Falls,
0: yeah. So yeah, I mean, but then you're like, I mean, gosh, I mean, we could spend forever just talking about pop culture depictions of time travel. I mean, Star Trek has dealt with it so much, yeah. And I mean, the Kelvin timeline stuff, the whole like where we're currently at with Star Trek, the idea of you know, which I guess kind of follows the Back to the Future rules, right? I mean, someone's gone back from the future into the past and created like the alternate timeline, like you see Doc Brown explain in Back to the Future too.
1: Yeah, kind of. They create a tangent timeline, but I feel like the tangent timeline can be erased and Back to the Future. I feel like whatever tangent timelines were created in Star Trek sort of stick around, right? You yeah. You can't really they, undo them. Yeah, they become a parallel universe. Right. Yeah. Which, which And people also kind of wonder if that's what happens in Terminator. But they never really answer that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I... I just I don't I don't really care at this point. <laughs> ter- did you see Terminator Genesis yet? No. Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, it's like, it like it my it doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know what they're trying to do. It's so bad. They're trying to make that box office. Yeah. That that Monet is what they're trying to do. And then returns. Um. But yeah, the this, I don't know. The, 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 I'm trying to think of other properties where it's like time travel creates multiple un- universes, and I think the only one that kind of X Men kind of does that right.
0: I guess I don't know. There, that continuity makes zero sense to me. <laughs> it's it not um, like comic books. It's it not uh, yeah, comic books. <laughs> right, but actually, I, I do want to talk about one thing in comic books. Because yeah. um, DC Comics deals with this thing. And I think we've <sighs> talked about this somewhat before. Yeah. Which is where – because one of my favorite characters in DC is a time-traveling superhero. His name is Booster Gold. Right. And his whole thing is that he's sort of uh, – he's he's first originally depicted as this like I came from the future – um to the past and he decides to become a celebrity make a whole bunch of money like and do all this like corporate sponsorship stuff as a superhero Mm -hmm. Um, but then he winds up becoming a time master which is a a concept that we see in the legends of tomorrow television show Um, but he um which but he becomes sort of like the protector of the timeline and he's sort of there to ensure that certain key events always take like take place throughout history but one of the things they talk about in in his, in his DC Comics um, of that time period, this idea that there are certain elements in history that are like crystallized, like they're like hard time. Like they can't be changed because mm-hmm. they find that with um, – because one of the things that happened, it was a very controversial thing that happened in the mid-2000s in DC Comics was the character, the um, Blue Beetle, the Ted Kord Blue Beetle okay. um, was killed. And they tried to go back in time and fix that, but it like – they couldn't right. as because it was determined. It was a thing that like needed, like time needed it to happen or whatever. So it's like a fixed concrete thing in time. I find that kind of an interesting idea
1: hmm.
0: that, that maybe there's some elements in, fixed time points that, in time. Yeah. That there are some point that some things in time can be altered, but some things
1: can't be that time sort of has to revolve around, right. around those. I actually watched uh, a Stephen King miniseries that came out last year. It was actually pretty good, called 11-22-63. Uh,
0: oh, that was Stephen King?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know that. It's actually one of his newer, newer novels. Um, and it's with James Franco. It's on Hulu. Yeah. And it's basically about this guy who uh, discovers a way to travel back in time. Uh, but there's like a portal in this diner. And he, when he goes to the portal in the diner, he ends up in, 19, in 1960. Like some specific date in 1960, but the guy who owns the diner has known about this for years and years and years. He's trying to use it for years to stop the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and interesting. so he recruits James Franco to kind of take his place because this cause this dude's like dying. He's dying of cancer because he's done it so many times. And it's like mess with them. But what I thought <coughs> was interesting about it um, that uh, I, I've noticed a lot of time travel story stuff I've never really done before. It's almost kind of like a Final Destination element to it. Um, he tells James Franco, he's like, you know, you're going to try to change the past. But the thing about the past is that it doesn't want to be changed. And so it's going to, like, come up with ways to interfere, like, with your mission. So it's like weird random things happen to him when he's trying to change the past. Like, you know, like a car will suddenly jump a curb or something and barely miss him or a chandelier or fall or, I don't know, it, Random stuff like that, and things like just get like the outcome is always bad, and um what's interesting is that if he changes the past, he can come back through the portal, and when he comes back it, the the future has been changed like he has he's actually changed the past, but if he goes back to the portal, everything resets
0: okay, that's interesting
1: um but yeah, it's actually a really interesting story because like. I don't want to spoil anything if you want to check it out, but it's 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 pretty cool. Like he's he's like following the Harvey Oswald and stuff. He's like adjusting to life in the 1960s and it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and in that idea of like the past not wanting to be changed um and I, I I'm going to I know I'm brushing up against us getting to our more like weirder stuff, but like CS Lewis in the book The Great Divorce talks about how he took inspiration in that book by um a short story he read about somebody who traveled backwards in time yeah. but when he traveled back in time the idea was he found that he was like nearly transparent and that he couldn't affect anything in the past because the past was already fixed and written right. so like blades of grass were like sword blades like they would pierce through his like shoes and stuff like they wouldn't bend under his weight and like it rain like raindrops could like pierce through like his body wow and stuff because like nothing could change the past.
1: C.S. Lewis wrote this? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um,
0: it was someone else who wrote it, but oh. C.S. Lewis used it as inspiration for the way to talk about like how like souls in the afterlife are when they when they first like encounter heaven because heaven is more real. Oh, okay. Anyway, but he but he took the inspiration from this story about time travel, which I just thought was really fascinating. Like a really fascinating way of thinking about the past that like, oh, it's crystallized. Mm-hmm. So like there's nothing we could do to change it. It would actually be pretty dangerous. Yeah.
1: Or or it's it's not there anymore. Or it's not there anymore. Yeah. Like Which if, I don't know it, if
0: I I don't know if I believe that. There's but...
1: yeah, well Shane Kareth, the director behind the movie, uh Primer. Did you see Primer, by the way? No. Oh. I feel like that that's it's a time travel movie, but it like nobody can figure out like what's happening by the end of the movie like no one is able to figure it out cuz there's so many different timelines that intersect with each other it's crazy you should check it out Chuck. it'll make your head explode uh, but Shane Carruth uh, he was he directed the movie Primer but he also helped on the movie Looper which is directed by Ryan Johnson with Jessica Gordon right. and Bruce Willis and which is a great movie yeah and so Ryan Johnson he wrote he he wrote this this script and he gave it to Shane Carruth he's like I just want you to to tell me if I got the time travel aspect right. And he's like, right away? No. You have to understand like if you were to really travel back in time, actually travel back in time, like earth wouldn't be here anymore. Like if you're going to go back to the 1950s, like you would not be like on the planet. Like the earth has already moved on. That makes sense? No. <laughs> well, it's like it's because the the galaxy is constantly moving and it's not well, you know, I don't. Know. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I get that. I guess I, I, don't know.
0: I the idea though that like, all right. So when you look at a star, you're effectively looking into the past. I guess so, yeah. So like light echoes exist. So there's
1: something of the past that exists. I don't know. Shane Kareth <clears throat> operates on a totally different plane. So I don't, <laughs> you gotta yeah, watch the movie Primer. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Speaking
0: of Looper, there's two things about Looper. There was one thing that really irritated me about it, but there's another piece about it that I that I liked. The thing that irritated about me about it is the sequence where they're like like mutilating that dude. Oh yeah. And like his like future self is like suddenly losing body parts. Right. Yeah. And like
1: that bugged me <laughs> because like because you're trying to grasp it at the same time experiencing it like and it's weird. Well, That's right. It but it's for also me. like it shouldn't just like
0: suddenly be happening in front of you because if something happens in the past, like it should have always been that case. Right.
1: I guess so. there might be some science in the movie that they figure that's, I don't know.
0: But, but what I do like about Looper at the same time is they, is they make an explicit statement of like, we don't try to, we like, we don't try to understand how this works. It just works. Yeah. And, and I like that. Like they don't bother with like the mechanics of time travel. They just sort of say it's a thing. And, you know, by focusing it on these sort of like really blue-collar, you know, not smart science folks, but rather these you know assassin people. Yeah, it's just Basically what it, it is, man. Like, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but the um, but this makes me think of one of my favorite movies involving time travel, which is since you got to talk about sliders, I'm gonna talk about Godzilla.
1: Okay, go for
0: it. So, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, 1991. It's uh, totally, totally like inspired I guess it was 92 anyway totally inspired by Terminator 2 and it like dealing with time travel and and all of that Um, but the time travel is hilarious because um so the plot of it is is that these um is that these people from the future the Futurians I kid you not (laughs) they show up with their time ship to like early 90s Japan and they say that they're going to um, that they're going to go back in time. They tell present-day Japan that they're going to go back to the... Like, why Why they have to tell present-day Japan this instead of just going straight back to the 1940s? I don't know. But they're going to go back to the 40s to prevent Godzilla from being created because they've determined that Godzilla is this dinosaur that somehow survived in this Pacific island and um, was affected by the radiation of a nuclear bomb test on the Bikini, in the Bikini Atoll in the 1950s. Anyway, so they go back... To the 1940s and they um and they and they they just beam godzilla away they just make him disappear like the dinosaur godzilla they just beam him away yeah. and um and then what they do though is they have these three little critters from the future called drats and they leave them on the island secretly and of course they end up being um affected by the nuclear bomb and become king Ghidorah, which is a three-headed monster um which, anyway, by the way, has JP probably... I don't, you've never seen it, have you? No. It has one of the best horrible, like, American actors in it. And there's this, uh, there's this horrible scene where, like, this UFO fly... Like, well, the, the, the time ship flies over this with World War II vessel. Yeah. And he's like, what are we going to tell people? And the guy was like... He's like, well, it's going to be top secret, but you can tell your son, Captain Spielberg. <laughs> So, oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, it's bad. But um, so anyway, so then the time ship goes back to early '90s Japan, yeah. and immediately upon arrival, okay, the prime minister of Japan walks to the time ship and is like, "Is Godzilla gone?" Now let's think about this for a moment. Wait, hold on. They watch the time ship leave to go to the '40s. Yeah. They've come back to the present day, and now they're saying like, they somehow remember. That, yeah, so it makes no sense because, and then because then what they immediately establish is that King Ghidorah flies overhead, yeah, so that King Ghidorah was affected by the bomb. So, effectively, King Ghidorah has been ravaging Japan since like 1954, the time of the original Godzilla, right? But yet, they remember Godzilla. It's a completely nonsense time travel movie. I only mention it because in G Fan Magazine, which is a fanzine, um was a long standing letter writing debate among Godzilla fans over how to understand time travel in this movie. <laughs> and one of the letter writers, one of the final letter writers in G- in, in G fan to deal with this made this point that I love. And he said, given that we've never seen time travel before, it doesn't exist in our world. We have to assume that time travel plays by whatever rules a fictional medium presents it as. Right. So for us to argue that it doesn't make any logical sense makes no sense because it's not real.
1: Yeah.
0: Which I think is kind of interesting. hmm um, That even like nonsense time travel, we have to say, well, okay, I guess that's how it works because yeah, – the rules of the world, the established world, right? Yeah. I think is kind of cool. Anyway, I just, I, that, whole, that whole aside was just to say that. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> so, hey. It's what we do, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah Tangents, brother. Tangent, tangent universe. So here's a crazy thing about time. All right. So since we're talking about time travel, so a couple of things that are affected by this philosophically mm-hmm. – um, this isn't on my notes, by the way um, – is how we conceive of time. So like in the West, we tend to think of time as a line. Right. You know, one thing follows the other. So 1991, 1982, 1983, blah, 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 blah. And that we can go back and forth. Sorry. <coughs> Sorry, listeners. We are both recovering from illness. Cough break, cough break. Cough break, yeah.
1: <coughs>
0: <coughs> so I lost my train of thought.
1: <laughs> Sorry. That's
0: right. All right. So so we're like, we look at it you know, as, you know, it's a continuum, right? It's a, it's time like is a time. straight line we can go back and forth on. Right. But that's only us Westerners. Different cultures around the world have different concepts of time. And one of the most interesting concepts of time that, that I've learned about is the Malagasy people of Madagascar. Mm-hmm. And the way they conceive of time is that the present is like being it, – it's basically like sitting on the back of a pickup truck while it's driving. And in, so, in, so, you're, so you're moving effectively backwards.
1: Right? oh so like you're you're facing the back of the pickup?
0: Yeah. So you're on the back of the pickup
1: truck, like
0: sitting off the tailgate. Okay. And the truck is driving forward and you're You're facing away from the cab, okay. Yes. Same direct yeah, facing away from the cab, same direction as the taillights. That okay, so then what's in front of you is the past. The present is in your periphery, but the future is behind you. So, That's really weird Yeah, so like, the past is Like You can see it, you have like full clarity of it Uh huh The present is in your periphery, it's kind of coming into focus And it's, as it moves it becomes You know, the past and it begins to You can understand and see what it is But the future is completely
1: unknowable That's like <laughs> I don't even know how to like perceive that Like do you think if you have like a different concept of time You also kind of experience Time differently
0: um, yeah, I mean they, that's yeah because I mean that's kind of one of the reasons why like because in the same thing I read they talked about how there's a slight difference in understanding of time in people like Spain and and then in, like in like in China I think China Japan those places mm-hmm. but it's one of the reasons why like 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 among Spain and like more Latin like as they said, like Latin speaking peoples like the French you know Latin you know people have been influenced by Latin right. so the French in spanish that like one of the reasons why there's sort of like you know a stereotype that time for them is more nebulous that like you know if you're gonna say like be here at 10 they're gonna be here they're gonna arrive at 10 30 no okay yeah and but that for them it's because the way they understand time is that it's what we might what in greek might be called kairos time which is like the time like fullness of time that like you do things when it's right to do it, mm-hmm. not as the clock arbitrarily tells you to do it. Right. So like, you know, so like a wedding won't start on time on like it won't necessarily start on clock time, but it will start on Kairos time because, you know, you want to start when the right people are all there. Right. That's and that, and that's really kind of the time that most humans have experienced in some form or another because we haven't always had clocks to dictate but, like, Germanic, Northern European, and then obviously American and British people have been more influenced by the mechanism of the clock. And so we tend to think of time much more precise and much more along that linear.
1: And, yeah, it, I mean, that, that's really interesting because if it kind of feels like, the, you know, the people in Madagascar, they must think, like, they have all the time in the world. Whereas, like, us, we it's like we never have time, you know? Right. So. Right. I mean, that's interesting. that That's really refreshing. I wish I could think that way, because <laughs> like, I, I yeah. always feel like I'm the older I get, Chuck, it's like <clears throat> I'm just running out of time. I have no time anymore. I'm like, I'm outside of time. like I, I'm off track yeah, because Right, because we tend
0: to think of the past as behind us and the future ahead of us.
1: Right. But the Malagasy
0: people are backwards in that regard. Right. But we also tend to think of ourselves as moving through time. They tend to think as time is moving around them. So yeah, so like time is just it, the whole process in life and the way you deal with it and process is completely different.
1: Do you, does that, does it kind of affect their, their, um, like sort of their insight on age
0: and aging? I don't know. I should find out. We've got, I've got people in my church who have done a lot of mission work in Madagascar and we have close relationship with the Bishop in Madagascar. So I should, I should ask and find out. That'd be kind of cool to learn.
1: Yeah. Because you know we we don't want to get old, and it kind of makes right. me wonder like, do they even have a concept of of old? Like, you know, I'm yeah. saying I'm old. Do, do they even think that they're old? <laughs> like, is yeah, there even... just, yeah, they just they just are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not too old or too young to do something.
0: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting way of thinking. That, that that might be a change. It's possible. Yeah, I'll find out. I'll find out. That'd be a good thing to know. But like, okay, so moving on from just talking about like bizarro concepts of time. Yeah. Let's get a little theological, JP. Okay, let's do it. This is the thing, actually. I think about sometimes is like if there are parallel universes out there. Like, let me ask you that first. Do you believe there are parallel universes? I think it's a possibility,
1: and I only say that because there've been there've been certain breakthroughs in science that kind of lean toward that might be a possibility of of realities or universes existing outside of our own, uh, with the Higgs boson particle. Apparently that yeah. sort of made a lot of headway in in that direction. What's that uh, Japanese physicist's name?
0: You you think that just because like I'm into really Japanese stuff that like I'm legitimately surprised that you don't know this. I mean, I the thing is, you're talking about the guy with the long white hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about. It. I just can't think of his name.
1: Okay, well, he's the one that that posited <laughs> like that. The, he, sorry, I forgot. He's the one that that posited that because of the the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. That there is a possibility that there are universes that exist outside our own, and a a universe that would exist outside our own universe would be an alternate reality. Think of it as like bubbles, on top of bubbles, you know? Right. Okay. Um, So I I think it's real. Whether it's not like sliders, I think I don't know. (laughs) I don't mean because sliders kind of like that concept of like, oh, there's another JP on a distant universe um but he just is like you know, we'll just he's a communist there's a, there's a communist jp in a different universe i don't really know like because i don't know if like if, if like in a different universe it's just like a repeat of ours but i don't know i don't know how the whole thing works that's like quantum see, physics
0: cause, you know see because i kind of feel like string theory i, mean, I kind of feel like and this is a you know a great episode of community dealt with this that like every time a decision is made like a new universe is created. A new universe is created. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I kind of like, there's a part of me that, that agrees with that, that to me, that makes sense. Right. And like, even theologically, like in a, I can account for that because the idea of like God being all knowing God can know like all possibilities. And so like, like, like in, I'll get, I'll get into that in a little bit more in a minute, but at the same time, the thought does, I do wonder is, does that, does that, does that leave open the possibility of a universe out there where Jesus didn't come? Hmm. Yeah. And like, so like Paul talks about in the New Testament that like, the, you know, Jesus was crucified from the foundation of the world. So like, there's like this sense that this is like crucial from like the beginning of the universe, Right. that this is like what God had in, in mind. So does that mean that like the crucifixion of Jesus and that transcends time and space that like, every parallel universe it's going to have that like that's it's, it's one of those concrete time things It like it would have to happen mm-hmm. and it have to be there or
1: could there be a universe where it doesn't i don't know yeah no i, I think <laughs> you need a smarter person than me <laughs> to <It's> really grasp <laughs> it. um i don't really know how that how that can exist um but i think it's an interesting thought and, and you know it kind of also harkens back to what, else, what we were talking about Donnie Darko and Last Temptation of Christ, because, you know, Last Temptation of Christ is sort of like alternate reality Jesus that uh, decided not to die on the cross. Right. Not happened. But then
0: in, so, in, in, in Jesus' own, like, infinite wisdom, like, he's a, in his own divinity, he's able to realize that, like... That's not the right thing. To do. That's not the right path, and so he course-corrects. Yeah. So, like, I mean, so it's of guessing the idea that if Jesus is God and God can see all things, it would therefore mean that it would be something that would transcend time and space
1: would would it be would that be like a fixed moment in time then yeah
0: well and so so in eastern orthodox christian theology there's sort of this idea that that event is the event through which all of time falls out of okay that that's the pinnacle of time so like so from there like so like the story doesn't necessarily begin with adam and eve it actually begins with the cross that everything is sort of falling out of that and that's kind of a mind-boggling like thought to me like that's something i've really wrestled with past couple years is that is the possibility of that and like this is gonna this probably sound super weird but like so like a tesseract right right like a tesseract is for listeners who don't know a tesseract is a shape it's a um it's 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 a five dimensional cube is what it is, if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's five dimensional. So Yeah, I don't really know the concept behind it that well. So it's I mean it's in um it's in the Avengers movie, a Tesseract. Um, but it's a... Uh, so three dimensional space is, you know, up, down, in and out. Um five dimensional space is up, down, in and out, and yet and also like like I don't even know how to like put it into terms, but it's like
1: Isn't it basically like the the, – It's like inflation. It's like two cubes, one cube inside of another, but it has the exact same dimensions. Right. Yeah. But like it's expansive out. Like there's –
0: in order to like navigate that space, it's like – it's also like – yeah, expansive is all I can think. It's like in-out. It's like up-down, in-out, and expansive. Kind of like the TARDIS. Sure. (laughs) Oh, God. I forgot. We had (laughs) – we talk about time travel and not talk about Doctor Who. We don't have to talk
1: about Doctor Who because honestly, they're so loosely goosey through their science. It doesn't make any sense.
0: And Well, Matt's not here. Matt would be the Doctor Who guy. (laughs) Um, but like – anyway, so but like a tesseract right, – so like if you take like a cube and you unfold a cube, like it has a shape, like a flat – like once you make a cube two-dimensional, it has a shape or whatever. So if you do that to a tesseract, it creates something called a hypercube. Right. Which is basically a cross. Hmm. And like even so much like – so Salvador Dali was obsessed with this concept. That he even did a painting of the crucifixion of Jesus where Jesus is is crucified on a on a hypercube. Really? Yeah. Huh. And like, so like this idea that like, the, like the, that somehow explains, or that somehow or sort of illustrates this idea. The of, process is like a literal nexus in time. Yeah. It's kind of like a crazy cool thought to me. <laughs> yeah. But there's also yields to another thing we could talk about, JP, and that is if there are parallel universes, mm-hmm. that means that there are infinite possibilities. Right. That negates Calvinism. Does it? Yeah, because, like, how can there be predestination if there's multiple?
1: That's very true. I mean, unless... I mean, I I was trying to kind of get at, like, if, if, like, the crucifixion is a fixed point in time, does that mean that in infinite worlds, that's, like, the one thing that's a constant? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't change? Would that still negate Calvinism?
0: Well, so the idea, like... So the idea in Calvinism in five-point Calvinism, yep. you know, old old tulip there, JP, which you've had a little experience with, right?
1: I know what you're talking about.
0: You know, you're, you're okay. Do <laughs> you want me to educate you, JP? Sure, sure. yeah. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you're just now tuning in, there's been a long recurring joke in this show of Father Chuck making digs at Calvinists. Some of you may wonder what Calvinists are. Calvinists are not necessarily people who follow the teachings of John Calvin, because it's argued that even John Calvin was not a Calvinist. Um, But Calvinism is is largely defined by an acronym called TULIP, which refers to total depravity, unlimited grace, limited atonement, irresistible grace. So, So what is it? It's unlimited... Or is it unconditional salvation? limited limited atonement, irresistible grace and the perseverance of the saints? I cannot remember what you is. <laughs> I don't know either. But um, um, but total depravity is the first big one
1: right um, but they're anyway, big on that a, one they're big on that one.
0: Yeah, but one of the doctrines in this is, um, is predestined is what they call double predestination, and that is that some people or that, that human beings are predestined from the beginning of time either to go to heaven or to go to hell. And there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. Right. So that there is no free will. There's only the illusion of free will. And that ultimately, yeah, there's nothing we can do about it because God's already made up his mind and we just have to, we just have to deal with it.
1: And they hate that it always comes back to that. <laughs> oh, do they? Oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I thought you didn't know anything about it, JP. I know wrong. Did I do I did I give a fair you uh, we can at least say that you have been very well acquainted with Calvinists. Yes. Did I give a fair account? Listen, I dabbled, okay? I dabbled. You know, I it's st- it's stuck it's stuck my tail kind of... in the water. It's right, like it's sort of the edgy Christian thing to do, right? You go to a Christian well, college. It's like, you know, some people go to some people go to secular college and they become like, you know, like white people Buddhists, you know,
1: it, where it, they deal with the crystals and the pot. But you, <laughs> you became a Calvinist. Yeah, I did the cool thing. I became a Calvinist. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it really came from my desire to find to find the, the most accurate and literal way of perceiving the Bible as possible. And, and Calvinism, Reformed theology, is very heavy on the sovereignty of God and just basically like getting it right. And that's what I, I wanted, that certainty. And they, they just seem to be the most certain about it. But in a way, it's also kind of like it's undoing, because what is the most literal interpretation of the Bible? You know, like, I mean, how, how literal can you get like? I don't know. It's, and as, as, there's also the the more literal of, it, I got, the more like – it's like, oh, you can't do this literally.
0: Right. Like, And that's and – and also I guess like what you're kind of getting at there is it begs the question is like is it meant to be right, exactly. interpreted literally?
1: Yeah. I mean it also kind of takes me back to – we've talked about this before with Rob Bell. He made an illustration I think in Velvet Elvis about like the theology that's like the brick wall and the theology that's like the spring. Yes, that's and,
0: in double Yeah.
1: Yeah. So when I think of reform theology, it is that brick wall. It's like, this literally happened. And if that literally didn't happen, everything else crumbles. Right. Like, if, 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 if you know, everything in Genesis isn't literal, then, like, it totally cancels out the crucifixion. Right. There's a reason to believe right. that. But it's, it's, like I said, it's part of its own undoing. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, so that's that's why I stopped, <laughs> and because people were were not very nice.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean that's and that's really what it comes down to is that is there's that, a lot of arrogance, a yeah. lot of a lot of self uh, satisfaction, a lot of smugness. Yeah, a um, lot of a lot of craft beer drinking, um, <laughs> and long beards. Uh, they drink um, alcohol now. They weren't <laughs> drinking alcohol when I was when I was dabbling. Hey, the Babylon Bee, the stereotype <laughs> that they depict is that the Calvinists are all long bearded. Um, Craft beer swilling, smug, self-important
1: people. Oh. Well. Anyway, that's behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just kinda like taking pot shots at it. If there are Calvinist sisters out there who they, they I mean, they they think I'm wrong. Of course they do, because that's what you do. You you think everyone's wrong. Right. When well, you were predestined to be wrong. So yeah.
0: yeah. So so but that's the thing.
1: So you said that they, so that so
0: they get irritated with with it coming back to the double predestination thing.
1: Yeah, they really do. I, cuz I think they're just kind of past it cuz I feel like what they really think is like listen, if you're saved, you're you're predestined to be saved. Like I don't think they want people to think too much about it, you know? Like See that
0: that's interesting to cuz when when I when, in my church when my church was going through it's a little calvinist you know cuz this is what happens in Baptist churches they get like this little like people kind of like discover some calvinist writing like I don't, yeah. they find like they discover <clears throat> sorry they discover uh, you know John Piper and now they're like oh my gosh and and so like they that's like that was like the thing that I always heard it was like mm-hmm. the 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 predestination thing was what was what it was all about right and like I think it was for some people they liked it because it meant they didn't have to do with door to door evangelism because <laughs> they're sort of like it's it's kind of determined. So it doesn't really matter or it like lets them feel less
1: guilty if they like just didn't do a good a job or whatever. I, I mean, yeah. well, I, here's the way I kind of view it, Chuck. Um, you know, there there's like there's like application and then there's like theory. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about things like theory, it's really just being analytical. And I feel like. Predestination is a more analytical part of like their theology. It's not something okay. to like. I have to make sure I'm predestined. It's just like, oh well, if that happened, then that was predestined to happen. Like it's, it's not something. Does that make sense? Like it's more, yeah. it's more something to analyze and to, than to be like, you know, trying to find like a living thing that you have to hold on to. And I think I feel like that's how the majority of them feel like. But people on the outside, like, you know, they don't see it that way. They're like, but you got this thing that says that this that that my my unsaved grandmother who's in hell now, like, like you 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 say she she belongs there, like she was destined to go there, I'm like yeah yeah, but you know, we're past that, but it's like no, we're not past that. <laughs> so
0: so so how do you, how do you feel, JP, defending defending the Calvinists on the podcast, huh? Like, I'm not you, you're, defending them. I'm just you, you just defended them. Did I defend them? Yeah, you became the
1: voice for the for the Calvinists. Well, like I said, knowing Calvinists, they are—they're already screaming at the podcast that I'm wrong. So, <laughs> uh,
0: see, here's the thing: I'm a big fan of God's sovereignty. I like the doctrine of the sovereignty. I've come around on it because I used to really like have issues whenever I—not to say that I ever felt that God wasn't sovereign. It's just like whenever I saw the words like the sovereignty of God, like I just immediately sort of like, oh, this is a Calvinist. Um, but the idea of like this like complete, absolute sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. that God ultimately makes the choices that God makes and and that, you know, God, you know, I, I'm on board with that, but what I, but my understanding of it is that God's choice and predestination is that everyone is saved. Right. And, and so like, for me, it's God's patient and God is going to work, but in the end, everyone will be saved. And so, anyway this is way off
1: topic from from time travel and whether or not we're just um... alienating a section of our audience probably (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's really it so all right so
0: so you think though that you think though that there's still a possibility that predestination could exist within a parallel universe model
1: i don't know that's that's a great question i don't know like I, i i always like to believe that you know why I pointed out those Back to the Future rules. I like the idea that the future isn't set. You know, I like the I like the Terminator ending. I like the the idea of no fate. But maybe the idea of a parallel universe that I, I'm kind of convinced that it exists. Maybe that does sort of. I and mean, does that prove predestination? I don't know. I'm not saying that it
0: proves predestination. Yeah. I'm just saying that like, does it leave open the possibility for predestination, or does it? Or does it say that predestination is impossible? Because if all if there's infinite possibilities, then you'd have I think you would have to say there's no predestination because you can't have infinite possibilities right. in predestination. True. But are there, you know, like to to use a joke that Stephen Colbert made um, at the Washington Correspondents' Dinner that one time when he spoke with George W. Bush when he said um, <gasps> that there are you know that there are mult that there are many paths to accepting our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ Um, that like, is there like, is it, you know, sort of infinite paths of sorts, but they all eventually lead to one thing or the other. Right. But I don't know. That seems again, that seems, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think, I think if there is parallel universes, it's pretty hard to say that. I mean, you'd have to say that, that there is only a finite number of possibilities, which I guess is true. There's, there's, Maybe there is the deal. It's just there's a finite number of possibilities out there, and in which case you could argue that there is a predestination aspect to that. But, right, yeah. And then the idea of a will working to try to kind of steer you and correct you, and, and I don't know. We could get on and on and on about that. <laughs> so let me ask you. Yeah. In fiction, we have lots of different conveyances mm-hmm. for time travel. I want to talk about the effectiveness of these devices. Okay. Because clearly, like people who develop this stuff think about it, but I want to first. I, but at first, I I want to call. I want to call bullshit. On the DeLorean. Okay. As being a terrible. Terrible time travel device. Why is it a terrible time travel device, Chuck? Because there is no way for them. To, so you have to get the thing eighty-eight miles per hour in order for it to travel, right? You have to. You have to drive really fast. Right. There is. There's no way to anticipate what you might be driving into in the past. You don't know if, like, there's a person standing there. You don't know if there's a rock or a, or, or a sign or a tree or Indians. Or, or Indians or anything like that. Like, yeah, I mean, they even go to the point of kind of showing that that's a possibility. I mean, you could just sort of, like, you could just sort of, like, pop into, like, a person just, like, right, yeah. and change, like, negatively impact everything, Mm-hmm. The DeLorean is terrible.
1: Well, I think the way it's presented in the movie, you're, you're, you're right. You had to kind of take some artistic liberty for entertainment purposes, you know, because it's a DeLorean, so they can have that scene at the end of the clock tower where Marty is, you know, driving towards the, the end of the street and they got to catch the, the rod and the lightning and blah, blah, blah. You know, the original script was actually a refrigerator. Right. But they were going to, and, and using a, a nuclear explosion. Yeah. Which they, they didn't showed want, up.
0: Uh, yeah. Of course, showed up again in another
1: Steven Spielberg film. <laughs> they changed it because they didn't want kids like going into refrigerators <laughs> and trying to right. travel Which, back in time. By the way, do you remember that? Do
0: you remember that? Things like showing up at the end of GI Joe, like don't play in fridges.
1: Do you remember uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that actually happening in an episode <laughs> of Punky Brewster. Um, <laughs> it was a CPR episode. Um, but you know the method in Back to the Future is actually closer to what's what's closest to Stephen Hawking's proposed method of, of time travel. He proposed that the only way you could really travel back in time is if you travel through a wormhole, and the only way you could do that is if you had to do it in some sort of spacecraft. Right. So, and that's that's essentially what the DeLorean is. It's a spacecraft, and it goes through a temporal a temporal portal comes out the other end and it, the, the flux capacitor generates that portal
0: yeah but like it's still like four wheels on the ground man like it's not like, like it's not like interspeller where they're like going through the wormhole
1: like in outer space like well you know it's 1985 or it's 2014 man it's like, <laughs> I, 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 the, I mean talking about the restraints of a cinema, cinematic magic
0: but like when the delorean pops out like it's still moving at 88 miles per hour that's yeah because it, cool. it, like, it looks cool like
1: that's it looks cool like
0: you know, like if they're doing that in space, then like I can like get on board, but like,
1: yeah, well, yeah, like you say, Interstellar actually, I should say Interstellar is closest because you know, we, we could make that in, in, in their movies now, uh, because they actually do take a spaceship through a wormhole, so yeah. right, um, but yeah, that I think, and 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 um, I think even in, in Looper and Terminator, I mean, that's that's also, I think, kind of
0: believable. Yeah, I do think I, yeah, I agree with you on that, the idea of like a fixed the thing i like about terminator is i like that the bubble like burns everything around it yeah like it sort of leaves open the possibility that like yeah you can like like as you see in terminator 2 and the t1000 shows up it's like in the middle of a fence mm-hmm. and it like it melted the fence around it so it doesn't he doesn't like you know manifest into the fence or something right which apparently like in the novelization of the terminator uh, Kyle Reese is Kyle goes back in time with another guy. Really? But he like yeah, but he manifests inside like the building next to him. <laughs> that's crazy. I like not know like His arm is like sticking out of it and stuff. <laughs> like he's dead cuz he just manifested inside
1: of it cuz it doesn't have the bubble. That's weird. In the novelization. Although I, I don't really know the science behind the fact that only living tissue can pass through it. Hmm. But that's I mean that's just movie magic stuff again.
0: Yeah, okay. Let me let like yeah. I kind of want to nitpick now. Just like <laughs> Yes, yeah, you brought that up because it's like the T one thousand is not living tissue. How does it time travel? Um, it, it's not living tissue. Like, I mean, no, because he explains it's a it, it is it is it is liquid metal. It is.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe it could recreate the living tissue. I don't know. I don't know the science behind that. I don't know. Because like, and then like, cause, 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 cause that's
0: like what um, John Connor then makes a comment to to, to the to 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 the T eight hundred. He says. You know, why didn't he just send like a bomb back in time or whatever? And it's right. like or why any you know, well okay, well couldn't they have just couldn't it have just like built a nuclear weapon and then just like obviously they don't have to grow artificial tissue, couldn't they just like cloaked it over a bomb and then hmm. <coughs> send yeah, back yeah, in time?
1: a plot hole, I guess. I, yeah.
0: I guess the point I'm making is for something that's supposed to have you know, learned at a geometric rate, I'm smarter than it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, there's also, I mean, my, my personal favorite method of travel, I think, is actually the phone booth.
0: Is this another Doctor Who reference? No, this is
1: Bill and Ted. <laughs> oh, Bill
0: and Ted. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. The, the Doctor Who is a police box. That's uh, right.
1: It doesn't just travel back in, backwards or forwards in time, but also to heaven and hell. That's right. <laughs> oh, maybe it doesn't. No, that's not true, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, it, it doesn't travel to hell because they get killed. That's, yeah, that's their right. robot doppelgangers push <laughs> them off a cliff. I don't know. That'd be cool if it did though. Yeah. Yeah. The elevator or the uh the phone booth. Um <laughs> so you, okay, so but you are you're, you're willing to defend the DeLorean.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I, I think most of the DeLorean is, is, you know, for the sake of making a cool movie. See, but I no, think I think I'm, the con- I think the concept cool I'm, of, I'm talking about
0: practicality here. Well, brother. I'm
1: talking about the, the concept of a vessel moving through a portal. Like I think that's essentially what the, the DeLorean is supposed to be. I mean I am not denying that. Yeah, well that's what Back to the Future is though. The stuff that you're complaining about back to the Future is just like it's 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 movie stuff. Like it's you know, they they wanted to skip no, across I mean, a highway and like I mean I get what they wanted to do. <laughs> I'm just saying that
0: like if it was a real if it was a real time travel device, like it's it's not smart unless you have like some kind of computer like the Millennium Falcon has that has like that oh yeah that, like, Where computer can that, like lanes. Yeah, and whether stuff. you know, so you're not like flying through a planet as he says.
1: Right, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, like, well, you could just do what they did in the actual movie. They, they, I mean, they put in the, they, they traveled in those specific areas because they knew, like, you know, the the mall parking lot was just pine trees, and that the, you know, the the drive-in theater was just a desert.
0: Yeah, but like, they didn't know how many pine trees. I mean, did he have a photograph? I mean, maybe he did. Uh you know, Talk was alive back then. He's the one who said Said he'd it's seen desert. it. Desert. They, they, they didn't. Did they know where every cactus was in the eighteen hundreds? Well, I, hey.
1: mean, I assume so. Like it's a desert. Like he, it's also, the 1950s. he
0: also. He also almost killed like like, like thirty Native Americans. <laughs> and like no I one seems it.
1: to care. I love that scene, by the way. I think it's really funny. It's such a dad joke thing, but I love it. I mean, <laughs> Marty, by the time you get those Indians, won't even be there. And then there's there's Congrats. real ones. And then the cavalry. Um, yeah, like, and then it, I think that it, that's probably why they also got the hover conversion, right?
0: Well the hover conversion is because in the future like they have the, the ability to fly cars.
1: Right, but the hover conversion helps with that idea that he's not gonna randomly, you know, you travel in this in the sky. So
0: here's here's so there's a little theory I've read recently. Um so at the end of Back to the Future Two, yeah. um, you know, Marty is in the tunnel, um and he's about to get killed by Biff. Yeah. And the question is, how did Doc know that Marty was in there? Because Doc had never seen any of it. He hadn't, you know, all of a sudden, Doc just shows up and rescues Marty. Yeah. So the theory is, is that Marty had died and Doc
1: had seen it. And so (laughs) Doc went back in time and saved him. That's really funny. (laughs) That's like a dark, dark fan. That's like a Rick and Morty type (laughs) theory. (laughs) It's like something would happen Rick and Morty. Yeah.
0: Um, but okay. Well, I mean, yeah, man. I, the DeLorean's cool. Like, I'm not gonna deny that the DeLorean's cool. I just, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna put it in the Salt Flats, yeah, sure, that's that'll work. But like, right. I don't know. Like, I just feel for those Native American, There's Apache, man. Like, <laughs> they just, you know, they they almost got killed because Doc Brown just kind of a jerk. And no,
1: they probably got killed by the
0: cavalry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now I feel bad. <laughs> uh, this is not the universe I want to live in, JP. We're in the wrong timeline. Uh, Let's roll the dice. So uh, <laughs> I think we're out of time. Get yeah. it? Oh. Unless we're Malagasy and we got all
1: the time in the world. <laughs> what do I say? So, I got all the time uh, I want. There's a lot uh, of things we could talk about. We didn't even talk about like Star Trek uh, Voyage Home. Oh no, we didn't. You know, or um,
0: or um, or um, time cop, time cop, or time bandits, or the lake house, like, I, I or know. sliding doors. Time cop is great.
1: Time or cop, the time traveler's wife. Yeah, that's true. I've never, I've never seen time cop. Never it. It's it's great because they had this great rule where like your future self can't interact with your past self, or else you become like an amorphous blob and you'll like stop existing. Okay, that's pretty cool.
0: If you ask me, Um, yeah.
1: No, there's a lot of stuff we can
0: talk about in this. So yeah, this is just just the beginning. We've got we've got lots of episodes to come. I mean, you know, like we said, we're we're almost at the anniversary. That's crazy. I know. I know. Nuts. And uh, well, Matt never showed up. No. Well, I hope he's not. Maybe he. Maybe he got pulled into a parallel timeline.
1: Maybe we're in between realities right now. Maybe. Maybe. We're in some sort of temporal flux.
0: At one point, I thought about talking about this whole Berenstein Bears controversy. (laughs) You know, this whole idea that we're in a parallel universe, but we all have some sort of collective memory that we remember the Berenstein Bears being spelled
1: differently than it really is. It really is a creepy idea, because I could have sworn, like, and and it's worked every single person I talk about. Like, no, 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 it's spelled this way. I'm like, oh yeah, look it up right now. Like, and the the same expression every single, everybody's faces. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. Anybody is. Yeah, if anybody is, uh, is wondering what we're talking about here, the, and we'll, we'll end on this. This will be our last thing. Okay. Um, is the Berenstain Bears, beloved children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone thinks that it's B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Right. Everyone. You can think of the logo in your head with it spelled that way. Yeah. It's, it's S-T-A-I-N. And, and it blows your mind. Berenstain. <laughs> and it blows your minds when you look at it because, again – you know in your head what it's supposed to be. And so there's this cockamamie theory out there that maybe we're all in a parallel universe, but we carry with us memories of another one. Or it
1: was just collective illiteracy.
0: <laughs> or that,
1: yeah. I don't know. But, but like it's, it's jarring when you pick up that Berenstein Bear book and you see that A in there. You're like, What? <laughs> no it's like is this a Chinese knockoff yeah. <laughs> what happened
0: anyway that is all the time we have um, pray for Matt um, <laughs> we hope he's not kidnapped again that would, that would not be fun no. um, though we did get some they did give us money for him so um, so that was good uh, that's all the time we have um, thank you for listening thank you JP for letting me moderate oh, thank you for having me well, um, how, 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 how did I, how did I do?
1: You did well, you did really well. You did, you get some, some, some moderator skills, son. I, 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 I'm very
0: happy to return to you next week, <laughs> Okay, but it was fun having the opportunity to do it. So thank you for, for, yeah. for giving me the, the, the blessing, the blessing and the permission to do it.
1: I mean, maybe the real challenge <laughs> is when we have Matt and father fun and Keelan, and you could try moderating that and see what that's like.
0: Yeah, because you, you you've gotten out of that experience. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> or you know, just turning on the computer one day and there's women. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you again, JP. Um, and uh, keep on keep keep a uh, keep a lookout on Matt. Um, we're gonna try to you know see if you see he, if he's on any posters or. Uh, any descriptions of him show up on those highway signs that you're driving around and uh, let us know. Um, and uh, join us next week when um, we are going to talk about um, tap water. How much mind controlling drugs are in there? Just I don't know that just enough. Just enough. Just enough. All right. <laughs> Thank you again. Good journey. Good journey.